Look, this is not my fault, all right? Lewis made me do it. Lewis did, right. He put a gun to your head and made you smoke pot. Yeah, he did. He, he pulled out the drug test, which I failed, by the way, and then he told me that if I didn't smoke pot to help him land this new client, that he'd fire me. It's not so different than asking someone out for drinks, is it? You and I had a deal. I'm sorry. And if next time Lewis asks you to do something that I told you not to do, what then? I told you that I did not have a choice. Oh, because he had a gun to your head. Yes. And what are your choices if someone puts a gun to your head? What are you talking about? You do what they say or they shoot you. Wrong. You take the gun, or you pull out a bigger one, or you call their bluff, or you do any one of 146 other things. You're gonna get lit up. What just happened? You got lit up. Damn straight. Now you're asking to get lit up. Somebody wants to get lit up. We are back. That's right. Case number two for Suits. Episode one. I'm sorry. Season one. Episode two. And yeah, this is Dave Big Yoda. This is October the 3rd, 2023. And with me as always the lovely and talented brandy the one who knows what to do with a gun to her head hi brandy hey there hello hello and so we are talking today about errors and omissions again season one episode number two and we're really kind of getting into the stride already of suits because we don't have a whole bunch of new characters to introduce we saw we met all the main six characters at the first episode and we jump right in to where mike is playing air hockey with wyatt wyatt is a wunderkind right and he is the one who has created a 20 million dollar prototype phone smartphone and the VCs are coming. That phone he had looked so cool. I know. It it was like the next iPhone. Now keep in mind, right? This episode originally aired in 2011. So the iPhones were still kind of small back then. Oh, this is true. Right, but you know, this was obviously this was the next generation of smartphone or whatever this kid developed and it was $20 million worth of prototype, and this kid is playing air hockey with Mike. Mike has to let him win. I think Mike says something about the fact that, man, it was really hard to let him win because the guy doesn't have any coordination whatsoever, and <laughs> Harvey said, yeah, I took him boxing, and I had to hit myself in the face for him to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he said it was like playing with a two-year-old or a second grader. Right, something like that. And and there was, you know, the VCs show up and then Wyatt panics. He can't find the phone. Harvey's like, what, this phone? And, you know, pulls it out of his pocket because, you know, the kid's just a little absent-minded. And 
But Harvey is Harvey. He's unfazed. He knows exactly where it is, and it's in his breast pocket of his shirt. So, yeah. This is where we get our first pop culture reference, for those of you that are counting or scoring at home, is he sees those investors walking in, this is Wyatt, and says, they look like stormtroopers. Oh, yes. when uh, And they really did. The way they were just jetting in there and in their stiff suits. Right. Just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And, and it just was, you know, obviously the Star Wars reference. Stormtroopers can mean something also when you talk about World War II that's not, that's not nearly as nice. So we'll just stick to the Star Wars reference. But Mike is trying to follow Harvey in. And this is one of the funniest things right at the beginning because everybody can relate to when Harvey doesn't let him in the room because Mike has not earned the privilege to sit at the adult table yet. Oh, yes. I remember when I was a kid and you could not, it was the kid's table and the adult table. And when you reached a certain age, you just thought you knew you were going to get to sit at the adult table. And nope, you're still stuck at the kid's table with your knees hitting the underneath of the table. <laughs> right. That is exactly it. And I remember being at the kid's table until I was like, I think I'm still at the kid's table, actually. <laughs> that would not surprise me. <laughs> because the aunts and uncles never really upgraded their furniture or anything. It's still the same houses. And so there's still the same number of aunts and uncles. And so the cousins are still at the kids' table. That's just that's just how it goes when you're a kid. But now that we're hosting our own thing, then we have our own adult table. Anyway, Mike has to go back to Pearson Hardman and file a patent. And guess what? He does not know how to do it. Not. Because he did not go to Hardman. One bit. Yes, not a single bit. He does I don't know how to I don't know how to file a patent, right? And Mike, but Mike says, you know, calls him Mr. Hand, and Harvey is impressed with the fast times at Ridgemont High. You know, that's the other thing, is sometimes they tell you when they make a pop culture reference, right? Oh, that's a very nice Ridgemont High. You're probably almost eligible to join the adult table now, but he still don't let him in. Yeah, and then he, you know, I always wondered when, um, you know, Mike is, you know, forming, you know, posing as this attorney with Harvey going to be these things that he doesn't know how to do. And here's Harvey, like, don't ask me, go figure it out. And, you know, it just, my mind would always think, how would he go figure that out? I'm sure he could go ask other people, but if he's going to ask other people, then it might let the cat out of the bag that he is not really an attorney. Right. And that's one of those things where, you know, when he gets back to Pearson Hardman, he talks to Gregory Boone who's, you know, one of the attorneys in the bullpen, one of the associates in the bullpen. And Greg Gregory says, oh, yeah, I've filed like 100 patents, you know, in the past. And so Mike's wheels are turning. Oh, hey, yeah, I can get this guy to do it. And all I have to do is do his Bainbridge briefs. <laughs> Little does he know. Yeah. 400,000 pages later. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And that's what Mike... Actually, Rachel, when he when she goes into Mike's cube and basically says, you're an idiot. And Greg said to call you a sucker or that Greg called him a sucker. Right. And Mike is like all what? 
nah, I'm not a sucker, blah, blah, whatever. And sure enough, he goes into the print room and discovers that all these boxes and boxes and the copiers going and going. And he does his, he does his math gift in his head and says, yeah, they're printing. We got all these X number of printers they are printing 26 pages a minute. Oh my gosh. That's going to be over 4,000 pages. <sighs> right. <laughs> but that's what happens when you get taken advantage of because you don't know your crap. Yes. And as Mike is starting to realize who he can trust and who he can't. And he did not hear, you know, he didn't think that Gregory would tell him, oh, I'll do your patent as soon as you finish all of the briefs. Right. That was a key thing that he didn't say that Mike just assumed because now we're the next day and Harvey is wondering what's going on with the brief. Mike was working all night on those Bainbridge briefs. Harvey's asking him why we haven't gotten confirmation on the patent claim yet and is visibly concerned about Mike's hesitance. And Mike is like, yep, it'll be on your desk when do you get back. Right. And and so he marches straight in to see Gregory. Hey, how come you haven't filed the patent claim? I was up all night and. <laughs> Gregory's like, well, I I tried the patent website for like 11 minutes before I gave up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he did. So if he would have just if he would have just kind of bugged Rachel a little bit more, Rachel probably would have helped him. I think so, too. Right. But Rachel just kind of blew him off. And Mike was like, I mean, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And Greg basically is Gregory basically says, yeah, yeah, I'll do it as soon as you finish the briefs. And he doesn't do it, even though it's super important. Mike you know, has to go back and really rush to get this done. But he's interrupted by Lewis, who shows up and says, what are you doing? Why are you doing Gregory's work? Oh, yeah. And he's just like, oh, I was just trying to help out. I was helping out my colleagues and doing some easy reading. <laughs> Which is a Lewis test, right? Because we know Lewis is just one of those guys that's going to test loyalty, and that's exactly what he's doing. And he's testing the loyalty to see if Mike is going to roll over on his fellow associate, and of course he doesn't. So he passed. He passed Lewis's first test. Flying colors. Good for him, right? Good Mm -hmm. for him. So... The next thing, of course, is Lewis questions why he didn't ask Harvey, Mike, why he didn't didn't ask Harvey for help with filing the claim. And, of course, you know, Mike's, Harvey was busy. And Lewis says, you know, Mike, I sometimes come off a little prickly. And I had to laugh at that. Right. I thought that was funny, too. Right. And he says, you can always come to me if you need assistance and. He hands Mike the patent claim that should have already been filed, but Lewis had taken care of it. So he thanks Lewis, runs over to Harvey's office, and this is funny because he gets in there and tries to tell Donna to say, hey, you know, this patent claim was on his desk at 11.30 this morning, and Donna's like, nope. Uh, 12.15? Nope. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then she came back with her little uh, snarky comment um, and then you can use his bank account to buy me a house in the Hamptons. Right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so yeah, that was hilarious. We get our first taste of Donna being an obstinate brick wall when she wants to be. And really how strong the character is kind of in a foreshadowing moment of what we're going to see with Donna over time before we cut back to Mike going to Lewis. So one of the things that Mike and Lewis start talking about is the fact that his work on the Bainbridge brief was really, really good, like super good. Like he caught, he caught the, the difference in the assets and Mike's like, anybody would have caught that. And what did Lewis say? Something around something about, you know, we've got 50 great associates and not one of them would have caught that. Lewis is really starting to see how smart Mike really is and what an asset he is and why Harvey picked him. Yeah, exactly. So that's about the time that he tells Mike the whole pony thing. So he tells Mike that he likes to pick a pony every year from the herd of associates and wants to know if Mike wants to be that pony. But Mike says he works for Harvey. I think Lewis is trying to you know, trying to show his snake skills and trying to steal Mike from Harvey by showing Mike what all the, you know, all the strings he can pull and things he can do. I think so. And he's, then he invites Mike to lunch. Mike says, no, Lewis says, well, that was kind of in the form of a question, but it wasn't a question. Shuts the door on him. (laughs) And so they're going (laughs) to lunch at the tennis club. And that is where, some funny stuff's going to start to happen with the tennis club. But meanwhile, then Mike goes back to his cube and discovers Harvey, who's waiting for him because the patent claim was denied. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. And he wanted, he wanted to, I think this is, this is Harvey testing Mike and how he can figure out how to do things without asking Harvey. And because he's so smart, he should be able to figure it out. He should be, but this is one of those times when Mike just really, really fucks it up. Exactly, right? Right. (laughs) He just, because the claim went in a day late, the other company was able to get a claim in, and boom, Claim gets denied. Mike tries to defend himself, says he didn't know how to do it. Harvey's like, you know what? You lied to me about putting the claim in in the first place. And so he tells him, yeah, go to the patent office. Figure out who filed the claim first, and then we're going to try and get an injunction to stop them from getting their product done and out the door. Of course, that's not going to work. We're going to find that out later. So... And that actually is the next place that we go to is the courthouse and Harvey's on the phone with Wyatt and Wyatt is freaking the fuck out. <laughs> Poor kid. Oh man. Talk about nervous. My goodness. He is something else. He is ADD on crack. Yes. And he walks in and he still got his phone in his hand and the judge, Donald Pearl, berates him immediately for having a phone and not following the rules posted of the court and finds him a thousand dollars immediately. I thought that this was a little weird. Yeah, I did too. I, I wondered what the backstory was, you know, and then Harvey didn't even really knew who judge Pearl was, but it, as far as being a judge, but then two and two together to later. 
Exactly. And the opposing counselor says, you know, I want to dismiss the case. Harvey presents a request for an injunction. The judge cuts him off and says, how come I don't have a copy of this? He scolds him again, tells him his attitude is off, denies the request for an injunction, and turns around and says to Harvey, better luck next time. Yeah, I kind of felt bad for him. A little bit. Because, you know, here's he's the closer and Harvey never wins. And I just felt bad for him. I was like, what in the world is going on? Anyway, he now he has to go back to the judge in his in his chambers and try to figure out what the heck is going on. The judge knows he's coming. He tells his his uh, his clerk to let him in. Harvey wonders where is this apparent hatred coming from, and then he drops the bomb on Harvey and says, "Wouldn't you know? Because you had an affair with my wife, Lauren." Harvey just stands there, just bewildered. He just he looks dumbfounded. Yeah, I was. And then he start. He was like, "Oh, oh!" And this was how many years ago? I, but Harvey has, you know, a, a thing of sleeping with married women. He, yeah, he has a big, a big, big giant. We'll find out later why that is. But he has a, a pretty hard and fast rule that married women do not get to go home with Harvey Specter. That's just that's just off limits for him. Of course, the judge doesn't know that, but. Here he is anyway, and so now right. he's got to go see Lauren at the art gallery that she works at. But before that happens, Mike is like, what the hell just happened? Harvey doesn't answer Mike at all. Instead, he calls Donna, says clear as afternoon, and tells Mike to go back to Pearson and file an interference claim with the patent office, which might give them a chance to win their case. So then he leaves. And where does he go? To the art gallery. And Do I get a discount for being the guy you had an affair with? Yes, that's <laughs> the one, right? At, oh, my God. Had, would you imagine these guys are about to drop 30 grand on a piece of art and somebody <laughs> walks up and says that? Are you making the sale at that point? I don't know. I would be absolutely mortified. I would be, too. And the funny thing is they never actually had an affair it it comes out there, you know, later on that, that nothing to that effect happened whatsoever. But we cut, as we do in, in suits, right? We cut to little bits of the same scene, but they're all interspersed. And so Mike is already back at Pearson and is talking to the patent office. It's all disheveled all over his desk. He's agitated. Lewis comes over. And reminds him about their scheduled launch. Mike says, I can't because of this task. And Lewis, did you catch what he did with the snap? No, I didn't. He just snaps his finger at Gregory. And Greg has to come over. And Lewis is just like, you're going to have this done by the time we get back. And puts it all on Gregory. (laughs) <laughs> we'll find out Gregory had to really work to get it done by the time they got back. And he was annoyed, but hey, it's whatever. And they go off to the tennis club. This is That's where, right. I forgot about that. Yes. This is where it just turned. <sighs> you start seeing Lewis as kind of this bumbling fool almost. He's a pretty good tennis player, though, because he makes Mike look like an idiot out there. I felt so bad for Mike. Watching Mike play tennis is like watching me play tennis. It was absolutely hilarious, but you feel bad for him because Lewis is just nailing him with the tennis ball. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And there's nothing that he can do about it. 
and it gets so bad to where he Lewis serves and says game before the ball even gets across the net, knowing that Mike's not going to get to it. <laughs> yes, that was pretty funny. So he killed it. And he realizes that Keller's going in. He's like, oh, game over. Exactly. And that's where he's going after Tom Keller, who is a kid, basically, who runs a fantasy football site. And he does so with his fraternity brother of a lawyer. And Lewis has been trying to get Tom's business for a long time. Tom's company generates $200 million a year. He's just been at it and at it and at it. And then they hit the showers. Harvey is at this time, at this point, Harvey goes back to see the judge. We'll get back to the shower scene in a second at the tennis club, which is really hilarious. And he goes and barges into Pearl's chambers. And then what does he do? He, he gives him, he gives him an ultimatum of some sort. Yes. He, well, judge Pearl was saying, you know, you're going to do this because you slept with my wife and you're going to sign this agreement. So she can't take half of what he has. If he were to get divorced. Exactly. And that's where Harvey turns the tables on him and says, basically, you know what? If you don't do this and you don't renege on that previous judgment and sign this injunction, then we're going to sue you and you're going to have the verdict overturned and you're going to ruin that sterling reputation. Yes. Because that was one of the things that Harvey got when he went to go see Lauren. You know, Lauren was still, yeah, I didn't I never told him that you actually just put me in the cab. He was he he cared more about his sterling reputation than he did about me until I told him I had an affair, then all of a sudden he saw me again. That's what got Harvey in the door to go back and say Look, here's the deal. You know, we're, this didn't happen, and we're going to ruin your sterling reputation. To which Pearl said, I, it doesn't matter. I'm leaving the bench anyway. So do this thing. Blackmail. All right. Wouldn't that be something to follow you around? And goodness. Right. So, you know, again, Harvey gets a phone call from Wyatt on the way back from, from the judge's chambers. Wyatt's nervous again. Harvey hangs up on him again. And why it's protesting, but it doesn't matter, which is really kind of funny. But now we go back to the tennis club, which is my f- favorite scene, I think, of the entire episode where Mike and Lewis are starting to get changed. And Tom Keller comes walking through again because Lewis is like, hey, hey, Tom. And he's fumbling all over his words. And <laughs> it just it was just stupid. Right. And he comes back and tells Mike, you know, I'm just not cool enough. I'm not cool enough for him. I don't. I don't smoke drugs. I don't smoke, I don't smoke pot. And Lewis is like, and he takes his towel off and says, so what if I treat my body like a temple? (laughs) I about died. I was laughing so hard. And to go back and watch these episodes again, as we're doing this, Lewis is so skinny. And I was like, oh, he looks half decent, maybe kind of, sort of, not really. But (laughs) I was like, wow. (laughs) It's funny to say that because Rick Hoffman now, 2023, is back to being really skinny again. Episode one, two, you know, the first few episodes of, of season one. He's he's skinny. So he's I mean, he's not terribly out of shape or anything like that. He looks stupid out there with his headband and all that stuff, trying to be Bjorn Borg, you know, reincarnated. <laughs> right. <That is> funny. 
but you know, Mike says, I don't smoke. You know, he asked Mike if he ever did pot. Mike says, I don't smoke. Lewis is like, Hey, the drug test you said, the drug test you took says otherwise. Gives him a copy of the test that says it's positive. So, what's there? I, to was, do? Sho- I was really shocked when he handed him that. And I just felt so bad for Mike. I did too. And I didn't see it coming. I just didn't because I, I have not still come around to the point where I know Lewis is just sleazy and will do anything. But Lewis is playing chess while Mike's playing checkers. And <laughs> my, uh, Lewis, yes. Lewis had Mike over a barrel, said, hey, go smoke pot with, with Tom and help us land him as a client. And he goes off to the showers. Tom comes walking back and just says to Mike, man, that dude just creeps me out. And he never wears a towel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then Mike starts up a conversation with him about fantasy football. And really if, you know, um, Lewis had just done a little more research and just realized, Hey, if we just talk fantasy football, what he's all about, then he'd probably land him as a client. That's exactly it. And Mike wows him with his, you know, 10 and a half sacks and, you know, six wide receiver, you know, 1,342 yards, whatever. And he got Tom's attention big time because, hey, you're Ross's Rockets or what was that? What was the thing? I don't know. Whatever. I think that was his name. Right. And he introduces himself, Mike, you know, Mike Ross. And and yeah, you finished 20th in the league. That's great, you know. And and Rod makes a comment about Roethlisberger going down that season and he would have done better and. And that's when Mike has the door open and said, I probably would have done better had I not been high right before the draft. And that is what you smoke. <laughs> right. Oakland and Singer. Exactly. Right. And that was exactly the, where the scene cut off because now we're going and you know, something happened right there, but Mike is getting back to the office and he is stoned and who gets in the elevator with him? Oh, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> the door is open to the elevator and Mike is just sitting there pushing the button. Ding. Pushing the button oh, again. Right. right? And that And that is what he just keeps. He just keeps, just keeps pushing the button. Just keeps pushing the button. Yeah. Like a four year old. <laughs> and he's, and he's looking at it like he's a four year old too. And then finally all these people in the elevator are like, what the, what are you doing? He gets on the elevator finally, and Jessica, as the doors are shutting, Jessica throws the folder in between there and walks on and just kind of looks at him, and that is uh, just awkward. Oh, I started to sweat for him. I was, oh gosh, I was like, oh, don't look, don't look, don't breathe in. (laughs) (laughs) And he couldn't get much out because she asked him about what he's doing with Harvey. And Mark was like, Mike was like, oh, I'm learning a lot from him, but you know, I, yeah. and he's all nervous and he just, she just walks off and yeah, but he goes back to his cubicle. Gregory's pissed off, gives him the inter- uh, the interference claim and Mike being high says, thank you by hugging him. <laughs> yes. And then Harvey realizes when he comes by that Mike is higher than a kite. His eyes are so bloodshot, his mm-hmm. tight, barely hanging off his neck and tells him you need to leave. Right. Throws him out of the office completely. You know, you're high, get out. Mike is, Mike goes to the restroom. He's washing his face, trying to figure out what the hell just happened. 
And this is the first of what's going to happen a lot is these bathroom scenes where the men are in the women's bathroom or the women come into the men's bathroom, one or the other. In this case, he went into the women's bathroom because he's stupid and high and trying to wash his face in the women's bathroom. Rachel's there. Just what are you, what are you doing there? Uh, well, this is the women's restroom. Yeah, and, and ask like, him, what the hell's yeah. wrong with you? so yeah i was feeling pretty bad for him and especially because lewis just because he wanted that client so bad he put mike in such a bad place with harvey he really did and he knew it and then harvey went and got in lewis's face about trying to take mike then we we cut to outside pearson hardman and mike is telling rachel about what happened at the tennis club Really kind of is like, oh, my God, I let Harvey down. This is terrible. Rachel is, you know, telling him, no, Harvey really let you down. And you should know what Lewis can do. That he's underhanded. Tries to tell Mike to to come clean with Harvey and let him know what happened. Yeah, Mike feels some some kind of, not loyalty, but he feels like he doesn't want to tell on Lewis. Loyalty is a big thing in the show. Yes. So he doesn't want to do that. However, he's going to have to, because he walks back in Harvey's on the phone with velocity. That was the, the firm that, that has the competing patent claim. They don't want to do a low settlement offer at all. He's completely unwilling to accept that. He counters that by saying that the, the verdict on the injunction is going to be overturned. They come in ten million, and they say, "Oh, you know, fine, we'll give you twenty million, and that just barely costs the that, that's barely the the cost of the creating the prototype, and so Harvey pretty much tells him to go to hell and then and then we I love it when he does that uh, yeah, 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 hundred percent, and then we get to Mike coming to see Harvey in his office and tells him about what happened at the tennis club, yeah, and you know Mike said he wasn't smoking any weed at all. And he was actually quite surprised that he failed the drug test. And that's when they both start to realize that he really didn't. But Harvey's still upset that he followed Lewis's orders over his. Says, you know, if something like that ever happens, you have to come to me. This is where we get to the cut that I used right off the top of the show, where, you know, if you've got a gun to your head, you can either pull out a bigger gun or grab the gun or do anything of, uh, 146 other things that you can do when somebody has that gun to your head. Show, and Mike responds by saying Harvey should be showing some loyalty to him. You know, Harvey countered that one with a really good point. Yeah, that he took the fall for Wyatt. Absolutely he did. So if Mike wants loyalty from him, he already got it. And he said, you know, if, if you want loyalty, you're going to goddamn earn it. To my knowledge... I believe, I think this is the only time we hear goddamn in this episode after hearing it like seven times in the first one. Oh yeah, I think you're right because I don't don't recall hearing it hardly at all in this episode. I know. (laughs) We're going to do that every show, I think. (laughs) I like it. So Donna 
tells Wyatt that Harvey's on his way. And Mike, Mike says, oh, wait, 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 wait. I forgot the, the most important thing of this scene is that Mike is pleading with him. Hey, you know, don't get rid of me. Don't get rid of me. I'll work for free if I want to. And then all of a sudden, bell goes off in Harvey's head. That's an idea. Let's give it away. So he tells Donna to tell Wyatt, hey, Harvey's on his way. Donna tells Jessica that, that she, or uh, I'm sorry, Donna tells Mike that Jessica wants to see her, see him in her office. God, I can't speak. <laughs> it is one of those days. I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is a weird, this is a weird day. We're not going to win any awards for this episode, by the way. That's just not going to happen. But, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get through it. Come to find out, he goes to Jessica's office. I don't think Mike truly knows that they've landed Tom Keller as a client at this point. I don't think he does either, because he was quite surprised when he saw him in his office, like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? And then he was like, shit, did you get busted for smoking weed with me? Is <laughs> what what was going through my head. <laughs> I think so, something along, he was a little suspicious, and then all of a sudden it's Lewis comes in with Tom and Jessica's like, Hey, you know, I want to congratulate you for bringing your first client. Lewis comes in, says Tom has some questions about the retainer. Mike walks over to Tom and is like, you know, what's going on. And now he's like, you know, we, a, a little deviousness is something that you look for in a, in a good lawyer. And he insisted that Mike be his point man. So boom, all of a sudden, that's something. Right. That was a, a big deal for Mike. And I think it was a good deal. I mean, a good, here we go. I can't talk either. I guess it's contagious. Right. But it was a big deal for Jessica too, to see that Mike, that he can bring in a big fish. Yes. And that'll, I think that'll get him to the adult table because that's another thing Harvey said. I didn't get to sit at the adult table until I landed my first client. And that's something that you haven't done yet. Well, now he has. Mm-hmm. And yes, Mike, he has. Yeah, Mike thanks Tom, saying, you know, Jessica wouldn't even know who I was if Tom hadn't insisted that Mike be your Mike be his point man. Lewis probably wouldn't have told her that Mike was involved had Tom not said that. And Tom re Tom responds by saying, Hey, look, you know what? I think the three of us are gonna make a pretty good team. But then this is what piqued my curiosity. Because Mike says, I've got another idea. But it just cut off. And so this is where we cut to this is where we cut to Harvey talking to Wyatt about that twenty million dollar offer, and Wyatt doesn't even want to talk about it. And Harvey tells him instead, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do something better." And Harvey's like, "Go tell you know tells Wyatt go tell him to shove it up their ass." So they go to the settlement meeting and. Inst and they, then they say, you know, instead of fighting this, we're just going to release the specifications for the satellite phone on the web and we're going to do it for free and we're going to do it within, we're going to do it tomorrow. Oh, so, that's right. So that's where and they went. They with were it. shaking in their boots. Yes. So all of a sudden now it's, it's like, oh shit, what are we going to do? The opposing lawyer says, oh, we're just going to file an injunction, injunction. And, and Harvey's like, there's no way you have that in time. And by the time you go do it, we're going to have it online. So Wyatt's going to have the credit for the design, and that's going to be worth way more than any settlement offer offer you can make. And guess who's going to get the attention for that now? So, boom! All of a sudden, that's that is done. 
That is that is pretty much done. You understand where that's going to go. So then we go back to Judge Pearl because Judge Pearl is the guy that's on this thing. Gives him out this paperwork and says, Pearl opens it up and he thinks it's the paperwork that that Harvey signed. And instead, it turns out to be a copy of the judicial conduct and says, hey, you know what? We're just going to launch an investigation into your attempt to blackmail me. This is Harvey speaking. And I'm willing to bet if you did it to me, you've probably done it before. And then he finally informs Pearl to say, hey, despite what you think, I don't sleep with married women. And but now that you're getting divorced, she is free to date whoever she wants to. And that includes me. (laughs) Yeah, I love that scene because he meets him out in the outside the building in the evening and hands him that. And I loved it because he just basically handed his ass right back to him. He did. He did. It was a great scene. It was a really strong scene. You know, typical Harvey. He's just going to, he's just going to kill somebody in the legal sense. And that's how that, that's how that starts to wrap up. He's back to Pearson Hardman. He goes to, to Mike in the file room and kind of makes light of it. Like Harvey never has to go down and get his hands dirty in the file room. And he walks in and asks where Hoffa is buried. (laughs) Mike says next to the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) So we get two pop culture reference for the price of one right there, you know, and and Mm -hmm. rumor has it, Jimmy Hoffa is buried underneath the end zone in giant stadium. But you know, I don't, I don't know if that is the case because the New Jersey Meadowlands has gone Meadowlands have gone away the dodo a long time ago so I'm sure they didn't find Hoffa however he does tell him to prepare a settlement memorandum for that case with Wyatt because the opposing company has now agreed to settle for 400 million dollars and this is why Harvey is the closer the best closer in the city that's right 100% and then he gives Mike his real test results, which showed Mike had passed and Lewis had used a fake test to blackmail. And that's what I didn't see. I did not see because I don't understand yet. It's only episode two. I didn't really remember Lewis to be a, you know, a snake in the grass, which he kind of is. And he, it's nothing that he, he won't do to get what he wants. Yeah, I was, I was quite surprised also because Lewis is kind of one of those guys you want to like him and but there's just, you know, there's red flags all around him, but you, there's still something about him that you just, you want to like him. And, you know, you, you feel bad for him whenever, especially he was, you know, trying so hard to talk to Tom Keller and he was just so blown off because he, you know, Tom was weirded out by that guy, but Mm -hmm. you know, you want to like him, but then he, he shows his true colors too many times. Tiger can't change his stripes, right? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Mike goes to Lewis, tells him, you know, you doctored the test results. It was really dumb. Lewis is completely unsympathetic and says, you know, because of what I did, now Jessica knows who you are. But by the way, it's time to pee in a cup again. And Mike bitch slaps him and pours the Red Bull or whatever he was drinking into the cup and says, you know, according to the drug policy, which I happen to read, you have to wait three months before you request another test. Lo, you know, Lewis trying to get him to take one that he knows he's going to fail, but uh, not. You know, happen. and I almost, I almost half knew that Lewis was going to pull that crap once he had um, 
they had already gotten Tom Keller as a client and he wanted Mike to be the point guy. And here's jealous. Here's jealous Lewis. Oh, now you're going to pee in a cup again to just, you know, try to destroy his character. But Mike was ready for him. Mike was 100% ready for him. And not only did he retort with the whole drug test thing, he starts to walk out of the office, turns around and said, Oh, by the way, I talked to Tom Keller and I convinced him that he would be much better with me and Harvey as opposed to you. And Lewis is just kind of stunned. And that's how the episode closes. Yeah, I really like that part because it was touche. It was. He got he got his point. He got he got back at him. You know, Mike's a winner for that one, right? That's a zinger that he gets. And so that's a wrap now for episode number two in season number one. We call that high crimes and misdemeanors. Okay, not really. Errors and omissions. And <laughs> <laughs> we I think we covered there weren't that many pop culture references along the way. There were a few here and a few there. Star Wars, The Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you know, Raise the Lost Ark. There was a marked difference in the set. When we talk about the the pilot episodes, a lot of times they use manufactured sets and then they change it up once they get the money to really do something, right? We saw this on the West Wing. I keep bringing Aaron Sorkin into this because the West Wing was like my favorite show ever. The press briefing room in the first episode of the West Wing was like this little bitty room with a podium and a blue curtain. And that was about it. And then when you get to the second episode of that show, all of a sudden the press room is like this palatial palace with TVs everywhere. And it was a marked difference. Same thing happened at Pearson Hardman. Yes. Their offices were a lot better decorated and looked so much nicer. It absolutely did. I'm not sure what's going on. I have a fan in the background. I'm sorry for the background noise. But the if you notice the wall on Pearson Hardman where the wall where the letters are, it went from black to brown. The big rounded glass is now a nice, you know, wall with uh, glass and, and wood. Everything has changed. And the background is now outside. It's filmed in Toronto. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yes. So they started filming in Toronto for principal photography and starting in season in episode two of season one. And it's going to go forward. This is not a spoiler. Basically, their principal photography will always be in Toronto. And just for a few episodes of season one, you're going to see some things in New York and then it's going to gradually transition to where everything's in Toronto. I did not when I was watching through this, I didn't realize it was Toronto until they filmed a scene, this would have been like in se- in season three or four, they filmed a scene at a place that I had been to in Toronto. And I said, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I know that place. That's in Toronto. What's, what? And I got confused for a solid five minutes trying to figure out why they were in Toronto. And then I had to go look it up. And sure enough, they, they film in Toronto. And I had just never noticed that they had Royal Bank of Canada, for example, on the top of one of the buildings. <laughs> and I never even oh, noticed. Oh, no, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> exactly, right? It, RBC. I mean, you don't know those, you know, they have letters and stuff all over the place on the top, you know, crown signage in New York, everywhere. But RBC, I, you know, I used to be in the banking software business. That's why I was up in Toronto. And RBC, I should have known that logo. I should have known that. But, uh, you know. I just was, I was off my game when I was watching Suits for the first time through. And, you know, I'm still in season six. 
I haven't made it all the way through everything yet, but that was just one of the one of the interesting things that you learn about suits is that they filmed in in uh, we're going to call it New Toronto. I think we we can we can name another, we can find Toronto. another city for you know for where they're at. But yeah, we'll we'll get some things in Toronto and Velocity Data Solutions. Just remember that name. We're not going to give you any spoilers or anything, but just remember Velocity Data. So one thing I wanted to say that uh, came up through my Facebook dealings, talking about the show after season one or after episode one for us, after case number one, is I got some feedback from Estelle Picard. Estelle, of course, is the great, great grandmother of Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Oh, wow. No, come on. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness, the uh, I and and actually, it's it's been it's been like three hundred. It would be have have been like three hundred years from now until when Star Wars Star Trek is set. So Jean Luc Picard wouldn't. I don't even know if great great grandmother would even do it. That's it, probably got to go more generations than that. Anyway, her name is Estelle Picard, and I was putting out. It's like, hey, why do I feel Aaron Sorkinism? And she came back and said, and gave me a a screenshot of an interview that Aaron Korsh did. And Aaron Korsh, of course, is the creator of Suits. And he goes on a diatribe about he is an Aaron Sorkin devotee. And he loves Aaron. And he not that he'd ever think that Aaron would see this stuff, but, you know, in case he did, he wanted he wanted him to be proud of it. So the guy is a is an understudy of Aaron Sorkin. So that's why I think we've got the snappy dialogue, the stuff that's really Sorkinistic to me. And so I, I think that there's a lot of that influence with Korsh. And so we're, I'll, I'll see, we'll see more. And I'm, I'm going to, as, as I'm rewatching now through season one, I think I'm going to take another look to see what I see differently and how many of the Sorkin players show up because you know, where Aaron Sorkin goes, the same actors and actresses will typically show up. Joshua Molina being number one, who's in every single Sorkin show that there was. So we'll, we'll see. I don't, uh, I haven't made it all the way through and I, I've never heard of Joshua Molina being part of suits, but we'll see. But aside from that, that's, you know, there's my, my brief dalliance here at the end of the show about things I've learned since the first, since our first, you know, podcast. You're dumbfounded. I can tell because you're speechless. I'm so dumbfounded. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But lost for words. Yes. So how can you guys get a hold of us as we uh, get to the end of our second case? You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, X, excuse me, TikTok, all of which are under Get Lit Up Cast, as in like the Get Lit Up podcast. Get Lit Up Cast. You can find us on the X. You can find us on Insta. You can find us on TikTok. We haven't done much videos or anything yet, but we will. The Twitter, I have a Twitter. I don't think you're on Twitter, right? And I said it last time. I am the Big Yoda, not Big Yoda 42. The Big Yoda on, on X. If you want to look me up there, that's fine. You can do that. And No, I am not You're on not? Twitter. I don't tweet. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> nope, the, I haven't gotten there yet. But the best way. It's X now, I guess. Right. That's okay. It's fine. The best way to get a hold of us, obviously, is through our website, getlitup.com. 
There are ways to join the firm. There's ways to send us a memo. There are links to our social medias from there. So getlitup.com will allow you to find us wherever you want to find us. And please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple. We are now on Google. We are on Amazon. We are on all the podcatchers. So anywhere and everywhere you can find Get Lit Up. We're like in the big time now. How about that? <laughs> well, in that case, you know what? We'll uh, we'll say this is a wrap for case number two, and we will see you back next week for case number three, which is season one, episode three, and it is called Inside Track. I almost forgot what you told me it was because I'm stupid. That's what happens. Yeah, when Mike you get old. has to plan a rookie dinner. So that should be interesting to talk about. Well, fantastic. We will rewatch. We urge all of you to rewatch season one, episode three, Inside Track. And we'll be back to talk about that next week. So for everybody who's been a part of this one, thank you for tuning in. Have a great night. All suits, images, likenesses, and audio is the property of USA Network, Universal Content Productions, and their respective copyright holders. All original content is the intellectual property of Studio 42, LLC. 